Hello and welcome. Matthew Grant here and I'm enjoying a lovely autumn day here in London. Well, thank you for inviting us along to join you for your run, walk, commute, ironing or whatever else you're doing whilst listening to the podcast. Now, we don't care how you listen, but we do very much care who you are. So if you haven't already told us what you think in person or by LinkedIn, then please do. It makes a big difference to how we do these podcasts. Now, this week, I'm back with another technology leader, Fergal O'Neill, CEO of Gamma Intelligence, and Richard Gary, commercial director. Now, Gamma has been around for a long time, decades before the world discovered InsureTech, but it is still innovating and bringing new tools to help people manage climate risks and weather-related risks to insurers, retailers, and banking. So whether you are an insurer looking for solutions or you work at a technology or data company and you're looking for a partner or maybe just some inspiration, I know you're going to find something of interest to you here. And if you're running an investment fund and wondering what characterizes companies that can thrive and survive in insurance, then you may get some hints from Fergal and Richard too. We get a bit technical in some parts and there's quite a lot to cover, so I'll be jumping in along the way to reflect on what is being said and explain some of those pesky acronyms that pop up. Well, we're delighted of Gamma as a member of Instech, and if you are not already part of our global network and wondering why so many others are, then you can find out more from me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn or any of us. Hello at instech.co. Fergal, Richard, delighted to have you on the podcast today. We know Gamma very well, but I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about what you've up to and what you've got coming next. Fergo, you're CEO, and I believe you've been at Gamma for over 30 years, which just proves innovation doesn't always happen from companies that started in the last five years. Uh, Richard, your commercial director, you're making your second appearance on the podcast, and I had a quick look at your stats. You had 863 listeners, so we've got to uh, to beat that one for the two of you today. Uh, Gamma, you are helping reduce insurance and investment risk through location intelligence solutions in Ireland and the United Kingdom. We're going to unpack that a little bit more in a minute, but welcome to you both. Thanks, Matthew. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, and as you say, yeah, hopefully beat a thousand listeners this time around. Well, we've got a lot we could talk about, uh, but Fergal, I know we're going to be talking in a minute about ESG and climate risk, but just for those that don't know Gamma, can you just expand a little bit on my description there about what you're offering? Sure. As you say, we're, we're around since 1993. I suppose our original product lines as we were set up to develop desktop GIS, what it was called at the time, our location intelligence solutions. We also, at the time, had to develop uh, specific address matching algorithms and APIs as there was no postcode existing in Ireland at the time, we spawned what are now three thriving businesses. The one we're going to talk mainly about today is Gamble Location Intelligence, which is our insure tech business, which produces cloud-native solutions and services and works exclusively in the insurance and banking sectors. We also spawned AusAddress, which is an address matching API provider, who actually, funnily enough, ended up creating and being the technical partner and creating the Irish postcode. And our third company is Gamma Location Labs, which I suppose covers all the, the rest of the legacy business coming from the original Gamma. Fergal, I want to come back on that point you made there about there being no postcodes in Ireland when you started off Gamma or when you, when you joined Gamma. So how on earth did the postman deliver letters if they didn't have any uh, postcodes? The postman delivered on the basis of a lot of local and personal knowledge. So they knew the individual's name. So just to put it in context, Matthew, there was 30% of addresses in Ireland were non-unique. So I still are, actually. 
which basically meant that an address or, or a, a letter couldn't be delivered without the postman knowing the person's name. So John Murphy, Adderha, Killarney, County Kerry. Bill Murphy, Adderha, Killarney, County Murphy. If the postman didn't know that that's Bill's house and that's John's house, the letter wasn't delivered. So it was a very tricky situation to work with where you had address databases with different people's names on. Very unusual, very uh, local localized addressing. And on also you have the, the added complication of uh, some addresses being in the Irish language. So we had two languages operating as well. So it required a huge amount of research and input to create a very unique um, address matching solution, which has, has broadened our expertise in, in address matching. And I suppose when we, when we look at UK addresses, it's a much easier challenge to take on than we would have originally uh, taken on in Ireland. Yeah, much easier, but not nearly as, as exciting. So you basically had to recreate the postman's brain with your algorithm matching. That must be a very skilled job at the time. That's uh, that's, that's really helpful context. Uh, so love to hear a little bit more about the the location intelligence side of, of Gamma. So can you just talk a little bit more about what's happening with that and some of the things you're offering to people these days? We work with eight of the top 10 general insurers in Ireland, and we also work with both pillar banks. So over 10 to 12 years, we've developed a number of products which are customizable in their own respect. Stand by for Gamma's three offerings in location intelligence. Our main product, I suppose, is, is our web application, Parallel Finder. And that allows underwriters to quickly visualize and assess property level and accumulated risk, particularly looking at environmental perils and building attributes. We have a whole series of APIs, which we call Address Link, and that delivers building level attributes, peril score information within the client's business processes. And we also provide services, data enrichment services, consulting services to tag historic and existing building records with building attribute information, risk information. As you look at what you can offer in ESG, or certainly the environmental side of that, and then climate risk both today and in the future, what is it specifically you can help people understand? We can measure, first of all, the, the physical risk side and the increased physical risk from climate change coming from a variety of, of different perils, most notably flood, subsidence, uh, windstorm and, and wildfire. But we also look at, at um, emissions and, and, and emissions at the property level in terms of greenhouse gases from the assets of the insurers. Richard, just on that last point about assets in there, when you're working with companies, what are they able to find assistance or what are they able to get assistance from you in terms of the types of assets you can help them understand? Anything really to do with a physical location or property. So we would work with um, anyone, say, in residential, commercial, SME, uh, housing associations, the likes of unoccupied property, caravan parks. If it's got a building or a location, that's really where we come in. It's it's spatial, it's location intelligence. So we then what we do is we provide the information that would help them inform and make decisions or informed decisions really on the risk factors associated with that property and also what's happening around the property itself. So Fergal mentioned flood, subsidence, wildfire. We can also give, say, insights in relation to crime. So that's happening in the around in the context of what's happening. Uh, around that particular property. We're going to talk a bit more about who you're working with to get access to data and some of the th 
the physical risks that we're, we're familiar with. But on that point about crime, we're hearing now, not surprisingly, that you know, with the difficulty in the economic situations, increase in prices, it's quite likely you're going to see an increase in crime. In terms of how frequently you update the data or sort of the way that people are using it relative to current conditions, are you able to help with some updates for people looking at things like crime that are predictive on more recent changes in external situations? Crime data is a, a funny one in that it is published and available from some police forces um, across different jurisdictions within these islands. Um, some publish it quite granularly, others don't. Um, what we do is take that, and we only take it on an annual basis. In some cases, they publish it more frequently, but there's a lot of work to process that data. And then where there's gaps, we model that out. So some some areas mightn't publish the data, others do. And what we, we, we can do is use the crime information and other associated with demographic information to model that out for the gaps. So we try to keep it as up-to-date as possible, but it's usually an annual basis, yeah. Is there a particular area that you focus on or a particular type of company that you find you're most naturally working with? Yeah, I mean, as Fergal said, we work with eight of the, the 10 largest uh, insurers here. Um, so a lot of our experience is with the, the big, larger operators and players. And we're certainly keen always to work with more of them. Saying that, we do see a gap, certainly in the UK, with the likes of MGAs, some of the smaller insurers or capacity providers who may not necessarily have the in-house skills or specific knowledge of these islands or even experience related to property, for instance. And then when we're talking about property, it's perils, but also the ESG and climate change element of it. Richard then goes on to explain how Gamma's products Peril Finder and AddressLink enable its clients in insurance and financial institutions, such as banks and mortgage lenders, to access the data they need in the format they want. Now, this flexibility of choice between a standard offering and enabling companies to customize the output into existing workflows that Richard mentions is something every data provider should be thinking about. They can access it either through APIs or, or visualize it um, on, on mapping interfaces. And, and the great thing about it is that it covers the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland and Great Britain. There's certain functionality built into the tool and a lot of our clients just use that out-of-the-box functionality, such as property-level geocoding, flood, subsidence, crime, as we've talked about, um, accumulations and reporting. One of our strengths, I think, is being able to customize that to meet our clients' needs. We adapt the solution to fit the way that they work. The lending sector, the banks, mortgage providers, building societies um, have a requirement in terms of ESG to report to regulators but also to understand the long-term risks associated with climate change. So while insurance take a 12-month policy view um, in terms of climate change, the, a mortgage may be 30 years. So it's 2022, 2023 in a few months' time. A 30-year mortgage brings you up to the early 2050s. And a 2050 is a big milestone in terms of climate change. So how does this um, affect property values into the future? And even outside of, sorry, lending, we've got asset managers as well. So in, in partnership with some of our new uh, data providers, we've now got a global reach as well. That's certainly one of the, the really interesting developments I would say I've seen happening in the last five years is, is you know, 
industries or market segments that tended to almost operate like silos are now starting to learn from each other. So I think insurance companies have actually been better than banks have at a portfolio level of understanding the kind of the tail risk or the catastrophic risks, the hundred-year losses. But as you're saying there, banks and lenders have actually been better at looking on a more short-term but but beyond one-year cycle and understanding what the risk is. So you can sort of see how both industries start to learn from each other. And it sounds like you're in a very good position because you're supporting both, you're bringing experience from both into into the other industries. Um, one other question I actually want to ask you, Richard, was on wildfire. You had some quite serious wildfires in Ireland last year. That is that also an area that, if you think about climate change, we wouldn't really normally associate wildfires with uh, with Ireland, but that's a, that, that dynamic change as as, as well. Yeah, well, looking out the window here today, and it's lashing rain. It's certainly not something that um, it would be on our uh, on people's radars in in September, October of any given year. But as as the climate changes, and it certainly is, um, we see drier summers and drier vegetation um, leading to certainly more wildfires, and and coming closer to urban areas as well. So it's an area that there is availability of data across other countries and that's one of our key um, R&D projects for the next few months is to prepare for the, the next fire season which comes around quite quickly so we're hoping to have a wildfire uh, model out early next year. Well that's a good link to my next question so that combination of the, sort of the build versus buy so you, you're doing some R&D you're building some peril models yourselves but yeah it'd be helpful just to give me some examples of where you're working with other organizations and providing their data and then where you're building that yourself? I mean, we work with a lot of great partners, the likes of your JBA and Ambiental, Royal Haskoning, as they're now called, Flood Data, um, with the British Geological uh, Survey and Terra Firma for subsidence. Um, there is some data available for subsidence in Ireland, but we've had to sort of augment that and build our own model really to make it uh, uh, consumable for the insurance sector. And then we work with the likes of organizations that provide wind data like MetSwift and a new partnership with SUST Global, who extend our reach really beyond these islands. They have great data associated with uh, windstorm, wildfire and water stress. Uh, and and it's, it's global, it's worldwide coverage. So that data is available through APIs that we can then provide out to our clients. Yeah. It's really interesting now looking at how companies are starting to provide that data. We've actually just did a poll ourselves of the split of what insurers want between going direct to the suppliers of data and accessing data through platforms. And I think in a couple of cases, they still want to get it in spreadsheets. Uh, I won't give away the results of that poll, but you'll be quite pleased to see the the high numbers of companies that actually were very keen to get data through I guess a third party provider like yourselves is aggregating the data. And then um, I think you're also going to go and talk a little bit about the data you're providing yourselves or, or creating yourselves through through your own research. Where there are gaps in terms of what our partners can provide and maybe what we, we've got internal uh, data scientists and consultants and spatial anal- analysts that can help us uh, build out where there's a gap. So as I mentioned, we've got the subsidence data set developed for Ireland. Um, we we took the crime data from certain 
geographies and map that across the, to cover all of the islands. Um, and then what we're also doing is working on developing out our address link product and platform, which is a building level data repository, again, for these islands, which will take in as much information as we can get from third parties, either open source or buy in the data and then model out the gaps. So, I mean, R&D is key to everything that we do and we, we invest heavily in that every year in terms of data, but also building out functionality within our platforms and APIs and making it efficient because it's all cloud native as well. So we don't really want to be providing data and Excel sheets to, to people. It takes too much time and effort for them to consume that. Much easier to do that through APIs. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I think the the two people that responded to say they wanting spreadsheets would probably also like to get it through APIs. It's probably their organizations haven't got the ability to to bring that data in. So I want to come back to you now and, and talk a little bit more about emissions. So there's lots of reasons people are interested in measuring carbon emissions, but can you give a couple of examples about how your clients are using your data and what, what solutions you're offering them for or what answers you're offering? One of the advantages of being involved in areas outside of insurance in terms of location intelligence in our other businesses is that historically we were involved in a European research project called Episcope, which looked at modeling building energy data across Europe. So that gave us expertise in this particular area. Okay, there's quite a lot in Fergal's explanation here of how Gamma has built its emissions model. So I'm going to break this up into three parts. The first will be the source of data. The second is going to be the impact of the type of business. And the third is how much should be attributed to the insurer. That's called insured admissions and provides an attribution factor. Now, we cover some of that in the summary of this interview, and you can read that by following the link in the notes. So first up is source of data. It uses existing EPC data where it exists for a property and matches that to the property level. And where it doesn't exist, we would have various models that predict both the EPC grading uh, rating and also estimates the, the greenhouse gas emissions at the property level. In terms of businesses, one also has to look at um, particular business types and NACE codes to predict emission intensity for particular types of, of activities. But even when you've calculated the, the predicted greenhouse gas emissions, there's also a phase required of weighting that information to determine how much of the greenhouse gases for the particular property should be attributed to the insurer. And they call this insured emissions. So the insured emissions basically calculates an underwriting attribution factor. So basically how much should be attributed to the insurer who's insuring that particular property. And there's a number of different ways. It's still being debated broadly across the industry in terms of how, the, how that attribution factor should be calculated. Different insurers are, are applying different techniques. So, so we had a couple of acronyms in there. EPC, I think, is Energy Performance Certificate. Did I get that one right? That's right, yeah. It, it, it's basically the amount of um, energy and greenhouse gas emissions that a property operating at a certain standard level will produce. So it, it, there's a lot of assumptions around it. It doesn't necessarily mean that the property is operating at that level, but if it was an average property with average number of occupants, et cetera, it would produce that amount of, of emissions and you require that amount of energy to operate. 
Okay, that's helpful. Uh, and then you also mentioned, uh, I think there's Nate's code in there. That, I'm not, that one you've, you've baffled me on, I'm afraid I can't spell that one out. Nace codes, it's really just the standard industry type or, or codes of what, what activity the business is involved in. Are there any companies you've come across where either you're working with or you've come across somewhere else you can talk about as examples who are using this approach? Aviva, their climate transition plan 2021, proposed an underwriting attribution factor. They proposed that it should be um, the technical premium divided by the annualized asset value. So effectively, the technical premium being divided by an annual asset value, which could be something like the, the rental value of the given asset. So it's really trying to establish how much of the emissions they should take responsibility for based on the premium they're getting from the property. That's a, a really interesting topic because that's one of the challenges I've heard. And it sort of starts to get into the, the whole scope three emissions where insurers are having to report on what the emissions are from their clients. And, and there's a, it's very hard to get it right. And there's a lot of opportunity for double counting. So it's, yeah, it's kind of really intriguing. That I, we'll put that formula in the, in the episode notes. Uh, technical premium, I think, is divided by annual asset value. But uh, maybe a link to that report as well, because that might it would be interesting for people to see a, a company that's actually disclosing how they're doing that. And it's interesting, Matthew, that also if, if you go into the banking sector, they have a similar one called finance emissions, which is their weighting. And they basically do it on the basis of the loan-to-value ratio, really, the, the mortgage that's outstanding on the property divided by the original value of the property. That's how they assign their portioning of, of, of the greenhouse gases produced by the property. I think across all industries, everyone's trying to figure out how to measure this. Uh, and it's sort of a little bit like the early days of the railways, where the early railway companies all had their own gauge of track width until at some point someone realized, if you're going to drive trains around the around the country, you need to have them all the same gauge, and they all have to go and have the same gauge. I think that's going to happen with measurement. We're going to eventually end up with something consistent. But at the moment, you know, everyone's trying to figure out the best way to do it. And Matthew, there's just one other thing I'd, I'd say on calculation emissions. It's very important to, to also score the data quality of the data you're using. As everything really associated with ESG, one of the, the big issues and challenges we're facing is, is a huge lack of quality data, particularly at the property level. So the way this is generally handled is, is in terms of scoring the data quality that is available for, for doing this calculation. Okay, we've got an acronym coming up in a minute, the PCAF report. We're going to be talking about what that is in a moment. So hang in there. There is established metrics. Um, the PCA app report, for example, identified a particular data scoring method for calculating this greenhouse gas emissions at property level, where they base the data quality starting from the best data being the actual emissions of the property. If you can get that from the energy providers, the metered uh, energy that, that the property is producing. And it scales all the way down to the lowest, which is a modeled EPC value for the property. Not even the actual EPC, but an estimate of what the EPC might be. So there's about five or six different grades of data. Once the data has been tagged up and weighted, it then the, the data used to perform that analysis also has to be scored before the, the analysis is complete. Okay, thanks. And I'm afraid I can't let you go without explaining or spelling out the PCAF report you mentioned. PCAF is the Partnership for Carbon Accounting Financials. It, it's, it's effectively a global partnership of finance institutions looking to, to find a standard way of, of reporting and measuring um, climate change impact. So 
they produced for each asset classes within the financial area methods and metrics for measuring impact. So they came up with a scoring method, for example, for um, property class or mortgage classes in terms of scoring greenhouse gas emissions data from the best being the actual building energy consumption data from a metered uh, source, uh, scaling all the way down to estimated EPC level data. So estimated what EPC rating the building may have and the resulting energy usage and greenhouse gas emissions from that. So it's very important to, to score the data accordingly. What about companies that have got bad emissions just now? How, how do they you know, understand what they should be doing to reduce those emissions over time? Well, it's what the bad emissions falls into two areas, Matthew, and there's bad emissions themselves, which they can reduce a whole, whole range of things from reducing travel to retrofitting premises to recycling but that's what's the more significant one is bad emissions coming from their clients from the scope three areas, which is much more significant. What insurers are, are typically doing is ranging from the, the lightest of touches, which is providing energy advice and tools to help customers reduce their, their greenhouse gas emissions. For example, we've been involved in developing a product to guide homeowners through the whole retrofit process. We've had interest from both banks and insurers in terms of providing that as a service. I suppose in the future, we're going to look at reduced premiums for better performing homes. So they have a sort of a carrot approach, reduced premiums for electric vehicles, but also there's a whole stick element that insurers are providing. There is instances of insurers, the larger insurers, removing cover for particularly unsustainable activities such as coal mining and, and other, other activities such as that. And indeed, in the future, we're probably likely to see higher pricing for premiums on, on lower-performing homes and lower-performing businesses in terms of their greenhouse gas emissions. So it's a mixture of carrot and stick activity and, and also providing a lot of advice and taking that leadership role. It reminds me of what insurers have been looking at doing in hurricane-exposed states, which, of course, as we're recording this, um, Hurricane Ian is rolling through Florida, but they've provided incentives for people securing their houses against hurricane risk. And yeah, no surprise, that's what's going to start happening with the whole environmental side. And then in terms of how all this comes together, you know, when you as Gamma are offering tools to your clients, how, how do people get access now to these analytics? These tools are, are developed and in play at the moment. We have a number of clients using uh, these various applications. Okay, Richard's going to mention four applications. So look out for those bells. Here's the first. So in terms of Peril Finder, the, the underwriting tool that's used extensively to allow our clients understand the risks that's associated with a property now, um, but also into the future. So that's just, I say just, it's a matter of bringing in climate change data so you can see what's going to happen in, as we referenced earlier, 2050 and even up to 2100. In relation to Address Link, so that's our building level data repository, we have quite an extensive range of data in that already across different geographies. That's one that's going to evolve over time as more data becomes available. There is quite an extensive amount of data in there already, but there'll be even more by the end of Q4 this year and certainly Q1 next year. And then on the EPC WOW product that Fergal referenced, which is a solution to allow 
the general public assess what they should do in terms of retrofit to improve the comfort and um, energy savings of a, of a property. Again, that's actually available in the Irish market now and shortly available for the UK. Oh, thanks, Richard. Well, there's it's quite a lot in there, so we'll make sure we include that in the notes as well so people can look at that. So we, we've covered a lot here. If there's one thing, and I know people are going to take away more than one thing, uh, but if there's one thing above all else that you want them to remember about what you're, you're doing at Gamma just now, what would that be? Well, certainly from my perspective, it's around the PowerFinder platform, whether that's assessing the risk through APIs or visualizing it within the the maps, uh, map element of it, I suppose, and then future-proofing. So a lot of a lot of uses in insurance at this stage is just what is the risk now? I think we're going to see that developing very shortly. And, and these things tend to be slow, slow, and then very, very quick. And we're going to see a lot more in that space over the coming years. And that's really where we're set up within within Gamma and within the Peril Finder platform to help our clients in that space. Future-proofing. Or as a former colleague of mine said, panic early. Fergal, will allow you one takeaway as well. I would add in that the whole emissions area of property assets is is a new risk that needs to be tracked, needs to be monitored, even if it's not been asked for by now already um, or not been mandated. It is something that is going to be required both by capacity providers and also by regulators in the very near future. So it's certainly something that everyone involved in this area should be starting to track to create baselines. Um, and to you know whatever data is available, even if even if there isn't a huge amount available, it, it's a good start to that can be built on as we go on. Yeah, I can see you've got another thirty years ahead of you at Gamma on uh, trying to crack that emissions analysis and consistency and reporting. So uh, great to know that starting out, starting off, and you've got some quite creative ways of doing that by using existing data. So so finally, Richard, back to you just to to, to wrap us up on this. But what's the simplest way for people to learn more about? the things we've been talking about here today. The website, we've lots of information on gammali.co.uk and also LinkedIn, just search for Richard Gary. Richard Fergal, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I hope the rain clears up before uh, you get to the weekend as we're recording this on uh, Friday morning. But it's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you very much again for your support for Instec. That's fantastic. Thanks for your time, Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. Hello, listeners. My name is Jonathan Swift the content director of Insurance Post. And I'm here to introduce you to the first ever European Insurance Technology Awards. Working in partnership with Instec and devised by the team behind the British Insurance Awards, the aim of these awards is to recognise the leading technology and third-party vendors working with the insurance industry across the continent. If you work for an insurance technology specialist and believe you have a great story to tell, or have a partner whose great work you think should be highlighted, then enter today at www.postevents.co.uk forward slash technology awards. These awards are free to enter and a full list of the criteria can be found at the European Insurance Technology Awards website. Deadline for entries is October 21st. Good luck. Well, we're out and about now at Instec and running more events, and we're seeing a number of people from Gamma regularly joining us at our evening events and dinners. So look out for Richard Fergal, Michael, Jason, and others if you happen to be coming along to join us. Uh, although with Gamma now, just one of a number of companies are working with that are based in Ireland. I think an Instec in Dublin event may be on the cards for next year. That's it. We're done. We're done.